Hello and welcome to the Public Services Reform podcast from the Centre for Market and Public Organisation at the University of Bristol. I'm Ramesh Vaitalingam and I'm talking to Sarah Smith who is a Senior Research Fellow in the Centre and we're going to be talking about pensions policy in the UK. Sarah, people are living longer, life expectancy is increasing and yet the way people talk about the, the pensions crisis, this seems like a bad thing. Well, I don't think anyone's saying that the fact that people are living longer is in itself a bad thing. I think we'd all say that's a very good thing. But I think it's more to do with what increasing life expectancy means uh, for pensions. I mean, it's a very, it's a very simple problem. Um, if people are living longer and spending more time in retirement, then um, basically we need to do one of three things. Either we need to work longer, or when we're working we need to save more, or if we don't do either of those two, then when it comes to retirement, we're going to have less money to live on. So we're going to have lower, lower, lower incomes in retirement. So could you lay out um, what, what, the, what the problem is that we're, that we're dealing with here? What, what the pensions crisis is really about, in your view? Yeah, I think um, in the UK, the pensions crisis is quite different to that faced by a lot of other countries. Um, many other OECD countries in the US have much more generous uh, pensions paid for by the state. So what they're looking at is... Um, without pension reform, spending an increasing proportion of GDP on pensions in the future. Uh, now, that isn't the case in the UK. Um, due to reforms going back oh, more than 20 years, um, state spending on pensions is not likely to increase that substantially, even in spite of uh, increasing longevity. Basically, that's for two reasons. One is the decision to index the basic state pension to prices and not earnings. So, in other words, it would increase... Uh, by less in real terms than otherwise would. That was back in 1980. And also successive reforms to um, the earnings-related element of the state pension system, SERPs, which is gradually becoming a lot less generous for future cohorts of people retiring. So in the UK, we're not facing the prospect of massively increasing spending on pensions, which is what a lot of, a lot of countries are having to deal with. But the system that we do have in place is... Um, creaking at the moment and facing a lot of uh, a, a number of different pressures. Um, one of the problems uh, with having um, a less generous state pension is that it's meant quite a, a lot of pensioners living in poverty. Um, what New Labour have done is to target resources at the very poorest of pensioners through increasing means-tested benefits. But what's that, what that's done is create a system which is hideously complicated and also, the more pensions are means-tested, the less the incentives are for people to make their own provision. So, currently around 40% of pensioners um, receive some form of means-tested benefits. Without reform, that's likely to increase to nearly three-quarters of pensioners by uh, 2050. So, if you don't like means-tested benefits, if you don't like the complexity, if you don't like the disincentives to saving, then we need some sort of reform. So that's one problem. Uh, another problem is to do with uh, what's happening to private pensions. So in the UK, um, many people have typically enjoyed really quite generous occupational pensions uh, linked to final salary, which provide quite generous pensions uh, in addition to the sort of the, the, the declining state pension. Um, but for a number of reasons, um, many companies have been closing their final salary schemes um, and people haven't been joining uh, individual personal and stakeholder pensions to replace them. So we have a declining state pension, 
and we don't ha and we've also got uh, fewer people with generous private provision on top of that so that's not a problem now because many people are retiring today with really quite generous final salary schemes but unless something's done now then in the future there'll be a lot fewer people with generous private pensions so it's more a case of starting to do something now to avoid problems arising in the future and then the, one of the final problems is to do with um, women and people who spend time out of the labour market who typically fall through all the pension nets that are there and don't typically have even the sort of the basic state pension available to them. Okay, so now the, the Pensions Commission has said we've we faced some hard choices, basically. They said we've got, to, we've got to work longer, or we've got to save more, or we'll, or we'll have to pay more in taxes, or, or we'll face lower incomes in retirement. Um, what, are the, what are the solutions that they've, they've suggested? The, the Pension Commission's proposals have um, uh, three, three main elements. So what they want to do is to kind of make the, the, the basic state pension more generous and link it in the future to earnings, not prices, and this will sort of make it more generous in, in the future, and they want to move it to a universal basis. Um, partly this is going to be funded out of higher taxes, but partly it's going to be funded out of the sort of the, the second main uh, proposal, which is raising the state pension age. So currently, you can get, uh, if you're a man, you get your state pension at 65, um, and by 2050, that age is going to increase to 68. So they want to in increase it um, in, li in line with rising life expectancy. Um, so that's the, the, the second main part of their proposal. And then the third is an attempt to increase the level of private provision on top of um, the basic state pension. And what they proposed, um, they, they rejected compulsion, so there'll be no compulsory saving on top of the basic state pension. But what they have instead is the National Pension Saving Scheme, which is going to um, have what's known as auto-enrolment. So basically they think when it comes to making decisions about pensions, a lot of people are put off by the fact that it's complicated and put off, the, put off by the fact that pensions seem quite a long way away. So there's a lot of inertia with regard to pensions. So what auto-enrolment does is give people a push through the door. It's basically a scheme where, you're, where the default is that you're opted in, and if you make a conscious decision, it's to opt out of the scheme. Um, now... There's quite a lot of evidence to show that where firms introduce auto-enrolment into their sort of firm-based pension schemes, it sort of substantially does increase participation. So overcoming inertia is an important part of encouraging people to save. Um, as an additional incentive, if you, if you stay in the scheme, then you get 3% of your earnings paid in by the employer and 1% paid in by the government. But as an individual, you have to pay a further 4%, so a to total of 8%. So that'll give you if, you, if you, if you stick with the scheme, that'll give you um, some additional, an additional pension on top of the basic state pension by the time you retire. So assuming the government were to take the Pensions Commission proposals and implement them, who, who do you think would benefit? Who would be the winners from the, from the change system and who would be the losers? For those who are sort of at, at the bottom in terms of their current pension incomes in retirement, um, the set of proposals outlined doesn't really help them very much. Um, it just changes the form of help that they get. So currently they get uh, money in the form of means-tested benefits. In the future, they won't necessarily get any more money, but they'll get it in terms of the basic state pension. Uh, rather than means-tested benefits. So they don't 
win in terms of um, the amount they get per week. And if you look at differences in life expectancy across um, sort of di uh, socioeconomic groups, you actually find that those on lower incomes tend to uh, enjoy less life expectancy than those on higher incomes. So increasing the state pension age is actually for them a sort of um, a bigger proportional hit. So they'll receive a higher, they receive pension incomes for sort of fewer years. So kind of looking over their lifetimes, I guess they'll actually be a little bit worse off. Um, those in the middle will probably be a lot better off because if they had any private pension, it would be offset against means-tested benefits. So they'll actually benefit a lot more from having income in the form of a basic state pension, which isn't means-tested, rather than means-tested benefits. So the proposals are really, sort of in terms of weekly income, are going to help those in the middle, I guess. There's a sort of interesting set of questions about the extent to which that will then incentivise people across the income distribution to save for their own, save for their own retirement. And obviously to the extent that means-tested benefits aren't getting through to everyone who needs them. Um, some people who are currently not claiming means-tested benefits, whether through stigma or ignorance, will also benefit from the fact that the basic state pension, that the money will come from the basic state pension and not from, not from means-tested benefits. It's, it's all about incentives, really, isn't it? It's, it's giving people the right incentives to, uh, to provide for their retirement and giving the companies that they, have, that they employ them the right incentives. Do you, do you think the proposals that the Turner Commission has come up with will work? I think they, 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 they clearly go some way to addressing the problems in the existing system. But I think that there is a danger that this isn't the final set of pension proposals we'll see in the next, um, in the next few years, partly because I don't think the proposals go all the way towards addressing some of the problems. So the, uh, the proposed reforms to the basic state pension will reduce the extent of means, will reduce the future growth in means-tested benefits, but we'll still see around a third of pensioners receiving some money, money from means-tested benefits. So they haven't fully solved that problem. And I think while uh, auto-enrolment and the National Pension Savings Scheme will help overcome inertia that you know, acts as a barrier to people saving for themselves, I think you have to question whether you can just take the evidence from the effect of auto-enrolment in kind of individual firms and apply it to this kind of national scheme. So where auto-enrolment has been introduced in, in, in individual firms and has encouraged people to, to kind of be in, in the firm pension, it's clearly the employer that's kind of really driving the process and wants to kind of promote pensions among their workforce. And that's completely different to the situation of introducing a national pension savings scheme nationally, where a lot of employers are really going to be quite resistant to a pension scheme that they have to pay 3% into. And we've already seen some opposition from employer representatives to, to these proposals. So potentially, um, you could have employers sort of ever so gently discouraging people to be in this scheme. And I think you could end up with quite a lot of people who don't have any additional pension on top of the basic state pension. And then I think finally, in terms of working longer, it's not enough to just raise the state pension age from 65 to 68 and think that that's going to solve uh, the problem of raising effective retirement ages. The kind of age at which you retire is quite, can be quite different to the age that you start drawing your pension at. And we've seen uh, a lot of people leaving work a long time before the state pension age. So then we may need kind of further policies to actually address the issue of extending working lives when a lot of people are actually exiting work in their 50s and 60s. 
Um, and a lot of people, particularly uh, less well qualified, um, may face barriers to getting employment um, and may uh, retire due to ill health. And so they aren't necessarily going to sort of work work for longer just because they will be able to work for longer because the state pension age has increased. And then clearly, you know, that they may find themselves facing real hardship when they're not getting a state pension until they're 68. Sarah Smith, thank you very much.